Hey, uh, we're starting a new uh, sermon series today, so shut your pie hole. That's the name of the series, shut your pie hole. Why did we call it shut your pie hole? Well, we are talking about where in our lives um, there might be some holes, some gaps and where we need to adopt some spiritual habits where we have some bad habits. Maybe replace some bad habits with some good habits. Some awesome new lifers got together and put together this pie chart that is a list of all the habits that we feel like have helped us grow in our spiritual maturity. Um, the, The church would call these spiritual disciplines. But the coolest thing about this chart is we're not gonna just get to look at it. You're actually gonna get a chance to participate. To, to interact with this chart. Um, but, and it, let me tell you how this is gonna work. When you walked in today, you were given a piece of paper and that piece of paper has a questionnaire on it. And if you will fill out this questionnaire, no, don't do it yet. It, what we're gonna do is we're gonna connect you with somebody who is going to help you figure out which of these might be missing in your life. And then the truth is you probably have quite a few of them missing. The person that's going to be connected with you after you fill out this questionnaire is not just going to give you, uh, here's the things that are missing. They're going to help you prioritize where to start. What first step in my spiritual development should I take? And so um, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Go to the next slide. And so here's my ask for you. The, The ask is that you will fill out this questionnaire. If you're watching online, newlifetoilette.com slash PSA, easy to remember. It, it, my, my request is that you will fill this out electronically. There's a QR code there on the top if you want to scan it that way, or you can go to newlifetoilette.com slash PSA. The paper is for those of you who don't want to do it electronically and aren't going to do it unless you can do it on paper. We gave you that option as well. However, if you do that, guess what I'm going to have to spend my whole vacation next week doing? I'm going to have to take your little piece of paper and I'm going to have to go fill it out at newlifechillette.com slash PSA for you. Uh, so if you could do it electronically, that'd be great. But if the only way I can talk you into doing it is on the paper, go for it on the paper. That will work as well. And let me ask you this. Be honest. Be brutally honest. Don't give yourself the benefit of the, de- the doubt. Don't take it easy on yourself. Be honest on your responses to these questions. Now, I'm not saying don't be too hard on yourself, but be honest, and that will help a lot. And then the most important of all of these is uh, the last question. All the other ones are kind of some background information on you, but the very last question on this is the one that's really going to help the mentor that you're assigned to to, to know exactly what next steps they can uh, prescribe to you. Because what they're gonna do is they're gonna send you an email in the next couple weeks with a personal spiritual agenda, a PSA that is just for you. And this is not some calculated formula. If you check this box, this box, and this box, then you get this result. It is a prayerful process. A wise mentor, and let me be honest with you, we are in the prayerful process of assigning you to a mentor. Because if you're assigned to me, I'm probably gonna give you different recommendations than if you're assigned to Paul or if you're assigned to somebody different. We had a meeting with all the mentors that are gonna be assigned to people and each of us kinda had different thoughts about 
what order we would prioritize the disciplines. And so we are trusting the Holy Spirit to lead the right people to the right mentors, and the mentors are gonna be in prayer about what they should recommend to you and, and read through the things that you write in that last question. So go ahead and start right now. You don't have to wait. You can do it while I'm preaching. Um, I think it's important enough that if you wanna ignore me and do it during my sermon, that would be great because, um, well, we wanna make sure you get it done, and if you leave, you'll forget. So uh, do it if this is something you're interested in. Now, if you're gonna get that email and you're gonna be like, I already know everything and I'm not gonna pay attention to the recommendations from the mentor, don't bother. Uh, we, need to get, we need to get some other things out of the way first. But you should bother, you should care, you should want to do this. Would you please fill out this questionnaire? I feel like it's going to be incredibly beneficial to our church in figuring out some next steps that we need to take on an individual basis. Cool? Can we do it? Everybody on? All right. The truth is the Bible does not give us a hierarchy. The Bible never says, well, you should start with reading the Bible. Then you should move to prayer. And then you should join a life group. The Bible gives us nothing like that. And so we're going to have to rely on the wisdom of some people who've been through these steps and have adopted them into their lives. Okay. The Apostle Paul says this, I strike a blow to my body. The more popular version says, I beat my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself not be disqualified for the prize. This is the mentality that we are invited to have in our spiritual growth. It's tempting to say, I don't, I don't have time for all that prayer stuff. I don't have time for reading the Bible. I, my life is too busy. I got too many activities to join a life group. Paul says, I'll make time. I'll figure it out. I'll do what it takes. So be brutally honest with your assessment. Okay, let's do an overview while you're taking your assessments. Let's do an overview of the series that we are going to do for the next five weeks. Week one, that's today, we're going to talk about connecting regularly. I, I believe that the church does this better than any other organization in history. Nobody has accomplished so many years of so much connecting of so many people, and we're going to talk about that today. Week two of the series is share generously. Our great command, the great commandment, is to love God and love people, and the action of love is generosity. So in all areas of life, we're going to talk about in our energy and in our money and in and, and our time and all those areas, we're going to talk about how we can be generous. Week three, we're going to talk grow consistently. This is the, I'm a con I'm going to keep growing. I'm going to be a perpetual learner. I'm going to keep doing what it takes to keep getting better and better. Uh, we're going to talk about prayer and Bible study and all those things. Week four is worship enthusiastically. Guys, I am so pumped for this week. By the way, do you know we have a worship night tonight? What time is it at? Is it six? Six o'clock. Make sure you're here. Six o'clock is going to be awesome. Um, but I'm really excited for week four for the message that I feel like God has given me. Make sure you are here for that. And then week five is serve faithfully. This is about much more than just volunteering at church. However, that's a big part of what we're going to talk about. But uh, this is just about how do we have a general attitude of service in our lives. All right, let's talk about community. Connecting. The Surgeon General, uh, who has less popularity now than he did before COVID, but he's still the Surgeon General, published an 80-page advisory saying this, loneliness 
is the single greatest public health threat in America. He says it's more dangerous than obesity. He says it's more dangerous than diabetes. He says in this 80-page paper, or was it 40? I can't remember. He says that loneliness is more dangerous than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It is measurably harmful to people, physically harm people. It will shorten your life. It will lead you to depression. And the bad thing is that in our world today, 58% of people say they are lonely, more than half. Now, I'm pretty sure in a church, the number is quite a bit lower than that because we've worked really hard to counteract this, but our world is struggling with a pandemic of loneliness. And I think a lot of times we start assuming within this that we are the strange ones if we are lonely. Well, maybe if I was more of an extrovert, I wouldn't be so lonely. Actually, did you know extroverts are actually more lonely? They actually have more of a need, naturally, more of a need for connection, so they're more likely to feel lonely. In fact, 70% of leaders say they are lonely. I experienced this at a whole new level when I became a lead pastor. There's, there's this, I don't know what it is, but I started feeling something that I've never, now I've never really felt like I suffered from loneliness, but I began to see where it could come from. And to this whole conversation, this is one that those of us who grew up in the church or have been around the church any significant period of time, we just say, duh. We know loneliness is a bad thing. We know it causes pain. And as church attendance declines in our world and in our country, of course, loneliness would increase. If less people are going to the communities, the places where community is happening, of course, loneliness will increase. God created us for community. And people cannot tolerate. You ever watch the show Alone? They got to go out and survive by themselves on a island somewhere. What, what, why do people always tap out of that challenge? Because they're alone. They can't handle the isolation. They can survive. They can do the other stuff. It's just being alone. They cannot tolerate it. Loneliness will kill you. Loneliness is a type of pain. If you feel it, pay attention to it. Because what is pain? Pain is your brain telling your body that there is a problem, that something needs to change. If you feel pain after touching something that's hot, it's because your body wants you to pull your hand away and not burn your hand off. That's what pain is. This is what loneliness is. It's pain. It's telling you that there's something wrong that needs to be fixed. Don't ignore it. Pay attention to it. You have an unmet need for community. Fix the problem. Solve the problem, whatever it takes. I beat my body and I make it myself. I do whatever it takes to fix the problem. We often ask, what does the church have to offer the world that podcasts don't? You know, the 20th century church was all about information dissemination. If we can just get everybody believing the right things, have the correct theology, then we will have done our job. But that is not our purpose. You cannot find that idea in Scripture. Now, we, we think there's a good thing 
there, there's good things about correct theology and learning and growth and study. But that mentality of if we can just believe the right things, we'll be okay, is a leftover of the Great Awakening. That was all about knowledge. It overemphasized knowledge. The truth is, we were created to be a body. These are the metaphors that God uses for us, the bride, the body of Christ. We are a community. That's what we're meant to be. The Apostle Paul tells the church in Corinth, while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. Should I read that again? While knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. Another translation says, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. That's who we're meant to be. That is our primary objective. That, that verse, I think, should, we should spend way more time. I, I think, like, one of my responsibilities as the pastor of a church is to get people connecting to other people. I think that's about as a spiritual act as we can do, is to get people connected to other like-minded people. It's not the ch church's responsibility to do it for you, to make you have community. It's our responsibility to build a community that is inviting, that is open, that allows people to be a part of it, that is welcoming. We often say, build relationships before you need them. Do you know how often we get calls from people saying, my life is falling apart, I need money, I need somebody to help me move, I'm in the hospital, bad things are happening, I need help. What's our first response? Who's your life group? When we get that call, how, what percentage of those people do you think have a life group? Almost none of them. Because that's the type of person who has to cold call a church. Because they have nobody around them. They have nobody to support them. There's going to come a time in your life that you're going to be desperate for community, desperate for fellowship and friends and family. And if you haven't built those relationships before you have those needs, it's too late. Build them now. Start working on them now. But Christians, we do community not only to alleviate loneliness. We do community not just so that we have people when we are in need. We do community so that we can give to people in need, so that we can give to people, not only so that we can get from people. We don't just need community. We need sacrificial community. We need selfless, others-focused community. I do not feel in my life, I do not feel a need for more friends. I, I've got a lot of great friends, and I spend a lot of my time just trying to keep up with the friends that I have. I don't need more people to small talk with. What I need is more people on a team. We need a bigger army. When I read scripture, it, let, let's say you had never been to a church, you had no understanding of what the evangelical church was, and you just read the Bible, and you decided that you were going to build a community based on the Bible. Do you think it would look like this? I don't think so. 
It's why we say circles are better than rows. Because we, we have a tendency in rows to become consumers. I'm going to show up and you feed me. And then I'll leave and then I'll show up again and then you feed me. And then I'll leave and it just becomes something that we consume. The, the church that is described in Scripture and you read the book of Acts, and it is this circle, it is this community of people who have become so strange in their world that they've got no option but to get together. Because if they didn't get together, they would have nobody because they're so much different than everybody else. If we just live like everybody else in the world, well, it's easy to find friends. If I'm exactly like everybody else, then it's, I can just make a community anywhere. But if I'm a little bit strange, if I'm a little bit unique, then it's more difficult. I gotta go find like-minded people. I gotta find people that I'm equally, equally yoked with to build relationships with who can build me up when I'm discouraged or when I have a challenge or when we're, we're called to achieve some mission. We are a team. That's what scripture describes. It's this, this fellowship, this community, this army that aren't just getting together to consume something, but they got a goal, they got a mission, the great commission. It's not just some afterthought, it's the primary objective. And so what does that say? Maybe our identity has become too much like the world's identity. Maybe our habits are too much like the world's habits, and so we don't feel like we need the church because we can just do community with whoever, because we're just like them. But the true community that we're looking for the we're on the same page and on the, on the same mission community that we're looking for requires like-minded people to be in community. The other day, my son and I were watching one of those, uh, what is it on Disney Plus, the nature shows or whatever. We're watching one of those. I couldn't find that exact one, but I found something similar to play for you. This lion has found a straggler. What is that, a buffalo? Or a cow? I don't know. Buffalo. The, the, the one buffalo was a little bit slower than the rest, and so the lion jumps out and pounces and attacks that buffalo. What happens? The community comes in and protects the weak buffalo. The one that's fallen behind. He's gonna sit on, Following at a distance. I just want to know who these people are in this Jeep. Drive off, people. This is dangerous. Get out of there. The buffalo aren't going to protect you. I love that video. When you get separated from the church, go to the next slide. When you get separated from the church, the enemy will attack. Don't be the person following at a distance. Don't be the one separated from the crowd. Because you're the vulnerable one. You're the one that the enemy recognizes an ability, a, a weakness, a crack. And that's where he'll attack. Don't follow at a distance. Get connected. Get committed. Build lifelong friendships. Show up early to church. Don't shoot the messenger. It's like twice as many people here as there were during the first song. 
Show up early, to, stay late, hang out in the lobby. There's donuts for goodness sakes. Start some conversations, build some friends, build some relationships. Let, embrace that awkward time when it's just small talk and you're trying to figure out what do we like talking about together. Like those, we were like, okay, let's go through hobbies. What hobbies you got? We got to find something to talk about. Like you got to go through those awkward times so that you can get to the deeper relationship. My life group shows up on Sunday nights and there is no small talk necessary. We got so many things that we're still arguing about or catching up on or figuring out or checking up on the uh, prayer request from last week. It's just like straight to business. Usually for us, the business is games because we play a lot of games. That's what we do in our life group. But we've built a community that, do you have those friends that you don't have to small talk anymore? Actually, do you have those friends where you can just be quiet together and you don't have to fill the silence with small talk? I love those kind of friends. I like the friend that we can go on a car trip together and not feel like we have to talk the whole time. Because there's just kind of this shared trust and we know each other. We don't have to catch up. Don't follow at a distance. Get to know people. Build relationships. Actually, more specifically, build a life group. More than half of you are in a life group. And some of you have experienced in your life group what I'm experiencing now and what many others have experienced, this community that we're, we're in need of. Others just kind of come and go. That one girl at the life group really drives me crazy, so I don't feel like going today. I don't want to sign up to bring a snack, so I'm not going to go this week. Like, just lame excuses type of thing. The reason why I say build a life group I don't, we've, we've always used the phrase join a life group. I think it's time to kill that. Join a life group sounds so consumeristic. Get in a life group and build it. Invite your friends. Be the one who's leading the conversation. Be, come with questions. Come with ideas. Plan an event. Bring the snacks. Do the childcare stuff. I don't know. Build a life group. You know it's not too late. You can start this anytime. You have friends. If you don't, you can make some friends. Then you say, hey, I'm not in a life group. I'm going to start one. I'm going to lead a life group. Do I know how to lead a life group? No, but I'm going to lead a life group. Go talk to Karen or go talk to me. Like, just do it. No more excuses. I beat my body. I'm making my slave. I do what's necessary to have the life that God called us to live. Because we are called to be others focused, not selfish. Not, yeah, that would make me give up some of my video game time or I couldn't binge as much Netflix. Be others focused. The church needs this. Our congregation needs this. You know, there are two different kinds of people in this world. Some people walk into a room and they say, here I am. Some people walk into a room and say, there you are. How you been? How was your day? New life has to be a church of there you are people. Others focused, sacrificial, generous people. Are you? Honestly, are you? My niece and I were talking the other day about the power of the church. And she said this, we are a family that isn't defined by shared blood but shared 
spirit. That's even stronger. Christians, we have to stand out in the way that we love each other, in our unique form of sacrificial community. Why? Because our example is Jesus. That's the type of community we are supposed to have, unconditional, sacrificial love. Okay, I'd like to look at a story here in the last few minutes we have. It's a story that many of you probably know. It's a story of Ruth and Naomi. It goes like this. A man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with them. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malon and Kilian. They were from, they, they were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached, that was a lot of names, and I think I got them all. Did I get them all? Okay. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. So Naomi was from Bethlehem. She had a husband and two sons, and her two sons were married to two girls. Doing the math, that means it's a household of six people. The two daughters-in-law, the two girls, were Orpah, not Oprah, very close, O-P-R-A-H, Orpah and Ruth were Naomi's two daughters-in-law, which is important because Naomi's husband and her two sons all died because of a family. Famine. So left over in the house, you've got Naomi and her two daughters-in-law, Ruth and Oprah, I mean Orpah, whatever her name is. So Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, now that they're widows, go back to your mother's homes and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. But Ruth, rather than taking the easy way out and going back to her home, Ruth chose not to take the easy way out. And here's the famous verse that she says. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn my back. We've got a bond here. We've got a connection. There's a covenant. She says, wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Our world celebrates people who are independent. That is so overrated, independence. You are weak if you are independent. You need to be dependent. You need community. You need people who are good at things that you're bad at. You need people to be there for you when you're weak. Independence is so overrated. Our world celebrates people who step out and who escape. I don't listen to my parents and what they tell me I am. This is the Disney message. No. Adopt the heritage that your parents have handed you. Be a part of the community. We've got to start celebrating again people who stay faithful when others would escape. And Ruth stayed faithful to Naomi. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. So Ruth went to work to provide for her family. No more men in the house, so she goes out to provide. And she became a grain harvester. You probably know the rest of the story. Make the long story short. Her boss, as she's out gleaning the fields, her boss is Boaz. 
and they have the most beautiful love connection the world has ever seen. They fell in love and they live happily ever after. It's a beautiful story. And when I read this story, what I see between Naomi and Ruth is this beautiful mutual dependence. Not independence, dependence. Despite the losses and challenges that they faced, they find strength in their bond with each other. They find strength in their community. Often our depression causes us to separate from people. We think that somehow leaving the old situation or leaving the old place will alleviate my pain. We've never called to escape our pain. We're looking for pain to be healed. And the way pain is healed is in community. That's how we overcome our pain, by running away from loneliness, not running away from people. Can I tell you something? I have never been lonely. I have never once thought, I wonder who would be there for me if I went through a hard time financially. I've never once thought, I wonder who's, who's going to help me if something bad happens in my life, or if, if I die, who's going to take care of my family? Never had to wonder those things. Why? Because I have been so intricately connected to the church for my entire life. And the church has provided for me a family, a community, a support system that has allowed me to have confidence in those things, that has allowed me to be not good at everything, yet still effective. Why? Because we are a community. Don't just follow at a distance, Satan will attack. You fall at a distance, you will fall into temptation. Satan will attack. Get close enough so that the community can protect you, can defend you, can support you. And when you are in need, be there for you. God, I thank you that you have given us this gift of your church. Don't let us take it for granted. God, we run to you. God, we want the dust of your footsteps to splash up onto us. We're going to walk in your way to become like you in our community. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.